coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. Despite the fact that a big chunk of my company works from home, and even now a lot of us still work from home, or a hybrid approach, it really brought us much, much closer together. You know, mm-hmm. We had this shared mission of trying to help as many small business owners as we could sure. during their, their PPP loans. We literally pivoted the business in that direction. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, it really enhanced our culture. I mean, I think we had a good culture to begin with. I mean, in, you know, our local metro area, we were named the best places to work uh, a couple of times and which is great. And, uh, you know, to the metrics, I mean, our, our growth has been explosive. I mean, we, we just got notified a couple of weeks ago that we were, we were on the Inc. 5,000 list fastest growing companies in America. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It's our third year in a row. And this is, by the way, Fountainhead's my second company that I've, I've uh, put on the Inc. 5,000 list that's grown. It's been on the list three years in a row. Next year will be my uh, lucky number seven. It'll be our fourth year on the list. And I, I could tell you the reason I'm so confident is because, yeah, we're, we're in the uh, quadruple digit growth. Wow. So it's, wow. it's been a lot. Yeah. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Chris Hearn, who is the founder and CEO of Fountainhead. Fountainhead is in the commercial lending space, primarily focused on small businesses. And Chris actually has quite a long history in this space. We dive deep, of course, as we always do, into how Chris got into this industry and and what led him to where he is today. But really what we focused in on was Chris is a sought-after expert in entrepreneurialism and and lending. And we really wanted to, to learn how he established himself as that expert. So we get into some of those topics. And of course, you know, today's today's market is very, very interesting. A lot of people are looking for loans and ways to be able to increase their business and bolster their business. So we get into some of those topics as well, what you can do today, what types of things you you need to, to, to bring to a situation when you're looking for loans, when you're looking for money, especially with the SBA, so the Small Business Association. Chris is an absolute expert in all of those fields. So if you're looking to start a business or you are looking for SBA loan money, this is an, uh, an episode that you're not going to want to miss of Pass the Secret Sauce. wasn't much dinner table conversation so I uh, I was raised by a single parent single mother and um, yeah she was always hustling and working and and pretty much I have been too since I was about eight so yeah. not a whole lot of time for for dinner table topics or talk you know if and we got a moment we might have gotten out the tv trays and watched a little tv while we were eating that's about it yeah and and so it sounds like you were you were on your own you know, per se, pretty early on, that's probably, you know, where some of your entrepreneurial tendencies 
sort of started to, to spawn. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I've pretty much been working straight since I was eight years old, you know, lawn maintenance. That's what we called it back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the Midwest, so we, we cut grass in the spring and summer. We, we raked leaves in the fall and we shoveled snow in the winter, but that was just the beginning. I've done a lot of different things, had a lot of different businesses over the years, worked through college, all sorts of stuff. So. Where'd you go to, where'd you go to college at? I went to undergrad at Loyola University of Chicago. Okay. Uh, got a couple bachelor degrees, a BA and a BS. And then I went to grad school at uh, University of Pennsylvania, Wharton School. Cool. And I actually did a year at Georgetown Law before I realized uh, <laughs> I never even joined the legal profession. Yeah. I read, I read enough uh, legalese as it is. I, I <laughs> for a living daily. Yeah. And coming up with all the legalese too and actually creating it, that would be, yeah, pulling, pulling toenails. I, I completely agree. I was miserable. I most, and I, I think probably 30, 40% of my classmates at the time, this is in the mid nineties. I think they wanted to be the next John Grisham or pretty much anything other than practice law, which yeah. I thought was kind <laughs> of nice. but you know, oh, well. So what was the next, what was your next move? You, you said you've created a bunch of different businesses over the years. You, did you, did you graduate college or did you start something right away? What, what was kind of your, your next move there? No, 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 I, I did. I, I, uh, I went, I went from, you know, high school directly to college and college directly to grad school. I had a t-shirt business in college, but I worked the whole time, worked in the theater department. I was an RA for a couple of years, you know, at high school, I, I usually had at least two jobs at any given time. Nothing, nothing particularly entrepreneurial necessarily while I was in high school or grade school, uh, other than the lawn maintenance business when I was young. But yeah, I've had a number of businesses once I got out of school. This is my second lending business. I sold my first business to a bank. I'm now going back, what was that, seven, 11 years ago. I actually, uh, because I've financed so many franchise businesses over the years, I really liked that business model as a concept. And so I actually started my own franchise business. It was an upscale barbershop, which uh, we're still in operation. We started the worst time possible, literally at the beginning of the last recession. Yeah. Um, I guess 08 fall of 08 terrible timing i think i think lehman brothers blew up like three days after we launched it yeah uh, we have like 17 locations it's called kennedy's all-american barbershop it's mostly in the northeast and and here in florida which is where i'm based so there's that business i've had a marketing business at one point i mean just a variety of different things i've been a consultant management consultant i mean a lot of different entrepreneurial things over the years yeah. And, and what le- keeps leading you back to the finance realm? Because it's obviously what, you, what you're in now at, with uh, Fountainhead. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, as I was saying, when, my, uh, when I was a teenager, I remember my mother taking the real estate uh, agent exam and me actually helping her with that because she wanted to be a real estate agent. And, uh, and by the way, my mother also, that was one side of what she wanted to do. On the other side, she, uh, believe it or not, she was a chocolatier. She made chocolates Oh wow! Uh, in our home, which probably violated all sorts of code, but I think yeah. limitations get here at this point, but uh, she was pretty well known in uh, downstate Illinois, where I grew up, you know, people would, you know, hire her to make mints for their weddings and, you know, all sorts of different holiday themed chocolates and candies and stuff and uh, she had quite a business and actually I, I helped her a lot and uh, probably that was my early sales training I suppose yeah uh, yeah on some of that stuff but um, yeah why finance I think I just uh, I went to grad school for it I just I like it it's become over time it's become what I'm most known for and, and I, I think I'm pretty good at it uh, at this point 
So, but it's, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that kind of, kind of pulls together every, all my knowledge base over the years. And um, mm-hmm. it's really, I mean, I don't even think about it as necessarily us being in finance or me being a banker. I suppose that's technically what I do for a living, but you know, I, I'm at the end of the day, I, I'm an entrepreneur. My company is very entrepreneurial and we like to finance entrepreneurs. And that's mm-hmm. really where the passion comes from. That's what, that's what gets us excited about what we do. You know, we're not just making a loan to somebody. We're usually impacting their lives uh, yeah. in a way and, and uh, it, you know, improving their, their net worth. Oftentimes it's the largest purchase they've ever made. So, you know, we take that very seriously do a lot of handholding. A lot of people haven't done this before, obviously, before they get to us. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's very gratifying. And I think most of my team feels the same way, if not all of them feel the same way. Yeah. What, what's, uh, do you specialize in any type of industries, verticals, anything like that? Or is it pretty well any type of small business? Yeah. I mean, anything that's eligible for SBA financing, that's what we do. Um, we're, we're one of 14 non-bank SBA lenders nationwide. Only, I think, eight of us are for-profit. And uh, it took about two and a half years to get licensed by the government to, to make SBA 7A loans, which is probably the more most well-known SBA product. We also do 504s, which is kind of how I made a name for myself in the industry going back a couple decades. But no, we don't necessarily have any industry specialization. I will tell you, we probably do uh, a fair amount of, oh, I know we do a fair amount of hospitality, franchise concepts manufacturers, a lot of professional service providers, a fair amount of physicians, just in general doctors, whether they're veterinarians, dentists, chiropractors, you know, ophthalmologists, all of that stuff. A fair amount of daycares we've done over the years too. But it's it, that's actually one of the most exciting things about what we do is we just see such a variety of businesses, business you know, owners, concepts, business models. I mean, it's, it's really kind of fascinating. You can never really get bored in our industry from, from where I sit. Yeah. And are you, if, if you have a startup, are you able to finance those as well? Like, you know, they don't have a few years worth of tax returns or anything like that. Are you, you're still able to get financing for those? Yeah, you, you can, it's not a sure thing necessarily. There's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, there's a lot of fallacies out there about, about commercial lending. Oftentimes you would not be able to get financed as a startup with an ordinary conventional bank. Yeah. We won't do that, but we don't have any strict rules in terms of how long you have to be in business. A lot of times an individual lender's credit policy will be overlaid on top of SBA's credit policy. And that's where some of these misconceptions come from. But no, I mean, we've done a number of startups. Oftentimes, if it's a startup, we like to see that they've got that industry specific experience. Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals just like you who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance gurus, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. 
I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com like to see if they've got some outside income, whether it's from a spouse or otherwise. We'd like to see that they've got some good personal liquidity. You know, little things like that. We prefer, if it's a startup, we prefer it to be a franchise just because if, if they're doing the, fran- if the franchisor is doing the franchise correctly, then it's essentially a, bit, a business in a box. You know, that's why, yeah. they're, that's why they're, they're buying it as a, as a system that they can go. And so long as they follow the rules, you, they should get similar results. And so yeah. that's those are one of the easier ones that will finance if it's a startup or, you know, it could be a physician breaking out of a, a group of doctors, for instance, different things like that. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So it's easier to, to finance a franchise than, you know, some type of other new business model, correct? Yeah. Well, for, for startups, at least. Yes. Yeah. Is there, are there any, I guess, any benchmarks that you would you know need to meet, which I guess that probably the amount that you're looking for probably plays into that as well. But let's just say, you know, you're looking for a hundred thousand dollars, you know, what types of things would you need to be able to bring to the table, prove, present um, to be able to be you know, pretty well assured to, to get that, that type of a loan? Well, again, are we talking a startup? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go startup. Okay. So with a startup, typically what we're doing is all the stuff I said before, we're looking at that, but at the end of the day, um, SBA lending is, and, and frankly, all commercial lending is relatively simple in that we're looking at cash available thrown off by the business mm-hmm. to support our annual debt repayment. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of times you'll, people will hear this called, does the business cash flow or what's the debt service coverage ratio or what's the, you know, what kind of DSCR does the, does the, does the business have that type of thing. And it's just a ratio. So I liken it to if a, if a business throws off and I'm going to oversimplify it just for example here. If a business throws off a dollar twenty-five of cash available, okay, that could be that could be their net income. That could be some non-cash expenses like uh, depreciation, amortization, interest payments, whatever that total is. If it's a dollar twenty-five for every dollar of annual debt payment, that would be we would consider that an acceptable business uh, to fund. Okay, uh, barring some other things that we have to look at, just as a general metric, SBA's requirement is. is a loan has to cash flow at 1.15 times. Okay. okay. So $1. fifteen in that, that type of scenario. Yeah. Now, normally lending is different than venture capital or angel investing or private equity investing, which all that stuff kind of looks forward. We're looking backwards always. Okay. So we're looking at a, a business tax return or a personal tax return and trying to determine these metrics. The problem is if it's a startup, there's nothing right. to look back on, right? Yeah. So in those cases, we have to get, we need to get a business plan that has detailed projections, typically two to three years of projections and very detailed assumptions that back up those projections. And we'll look at it and, and we'll, we'll try to punch holes in it just like any lender would. 
But again, at the end of the day, then in those cases, we're looking for a 1.15 times coverage on a go forward basis, on the projected basis. And we see all sorts of crazy projections, as you'd expect. Sometimes, you know, they're only as good as the people that have put them together and, and, and uh, the insights they have in putting them together. So, you know, we, it's oftentimes a good business plan, a set of projections is not enough to get a loan approved. Okay. Yeah. So you've got to have some of these other value adds that, that make us want to do the loan. And again, I'm just speaking from an SBA perspective where we're getting a government guarantee on a portion of the loan. Good luck if you want to go to your bank or credit union as a startup and try to get financing. It's just likely not going to happen other than the SBA route. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah, no, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah. So I, mean, so, I can go on and on about this. Oh, stuff. I just want to keep it a little high level. And yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And again, I, I you know, from, for the listeners, there's a lot of, you know, newer people and people that are, you know, kind of just getting started in business. And, you know, I figured that that would be a, a you know, a good topic for them. But um, yeah, so, so you do a lot with entrepreneurs too, or I, I should say, you know, to, to build up and, and foster a, a good environment for entrepreneurs. What are some of the things that you've done before, you know, in your past, you know, to again, bolster the, the entrepreneurial journey? You mean personally or just, just generally? Yeah. yeah like, I mean, you, I know that you've like lobbied and, and things like that and, and spoken on different entrepreneurial points yeah. and, and all of that. So. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, look, I, this is, this is my audience and I'm very passionate about it. You know, I, uh, I do a fair amount of writing for, for various national media. I'm oftentimes quoted in a lot of national media. You know, I've done a lot of TV, national TV, um, all advocating for small business issues um, mm-hmm. and, and the entrepreneurial community, you know, here in Orlando, which is where I live, you know, I'm part of a group called the Entrepreneurs Alliance of Orlando. I've been very involved in anything relating to that for, you know, a couple decades. You know, you're right. I've, I've testified before the Senate Small Business Committee in person. I've also submitted written testimony to the House Small Business Committee. Actually, right before I got on this call, I was speaking to somebody on the Senate committee about some other things that are coming up. So, you know, I just try to be a resource to try and help anything that's entrepreneurial or small business related, because what a lot of people don't understand is that's, you know, looking at the statistics, it's about 47% of the jobs in America. Yeah, sure. It's just the small business community. So, and, and obviously they were disproportionately hurt with, uh, you know, the economic fallout with the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, which is why PPP loans were such an important, you know, kind of leg up for these folks. And we were a big PPP lender. I mean, we almost did 300,000 PPP loans, which is, just, I still find it staggering that we didn't even do that much, but, um, so yeah, I just, I do a lot of things in this space and, um, you know, these are my people, so to speak. So yeah, yeah. I help so, them all I can. I speak at a lot of conferences and, and whatnot as well. So, so take a step back a few years, you know, Chris Hearn isn't, isn't, isn't known, you know, in the entrepreneurial space, right? How did you get yourself into be such an influencer to, to be able to be, you know, a, a reference that the news, the media, you know, come and establish or, 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 you know, comes to you for advice or, you know, your perspective and, you know, then, you know, the Senate and all of that. How did you, how did you create that type of a, of a, uh, a persona, I guess you can say? That's a good question. I don't know. I guess I'm one of those classic uh, overnight success stories. that takes 20 years to. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I just, I think uh, I just found this as my niche. 
and uh, I went all in and uh, I haven't, I haven't deviated, you know, I haven't, I haven't radically changed industries or anything like that over the years. I just have, uh, I don't know. I just, I just do what I do. And, and, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've always had a bit of a change agent sort of a personality in general. I think that's part of my, you know, my disc assessment or whatever, but um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. So I've, I've, uh, if I see something that doesn't look right, I speak up and I've been doing that in this industry for over 20 years. And uh, a lot of the things that I spoke up about in my early days when maybe I was, you know, my, my late twenties, early thirties, when I was, uh, you know, the young buck up and comer and, mm-hmm. you know, people would kind of, you know, elbow me or pull me aside and say, Hey, we don't talk about that. Or that's, that's not something, that's not how you bring that up or whatever. Well, you know, looking back, a lot of the changes that have happened in SBA world were something that I've put out there for yeah. several times for several years. I've lobbied for it, and uh, and I continue to do that to this day. So I think it's just um, you know finding your niche, you know, being all in. You know, I think it's really tough to you know have your your time and energy get distracted with other things. So you have you have to be very committed to it, and. Um, you know, just keep improving. And, and over time, I, I think we all will be surprised if you, if you focus on incremental growth every day, it's, it's amazing when you look back, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years at, at where you're at. It, it's um, these little things add up over time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of incremental growth, are you, do you have like internal metrics and all of that that you guys are tracking and, and, you know, you're pushing yourself forward and all of that. And, you know, it's, I guess also along the, the business standpoint too, have you guys gone through and like created core values and, and gone that whole path to, to sort of establish the base, the base benchmark with, uh, you know, the culture and establishing all of that as well? Yeah, probably not as formal as we wanted. We were actually going to do it. And then uh, I think we started it in January of 2020. <laughs> and we yeah, yeah. what happened a couple months later. So that got back burnered. But um, I'll tell you, we uh, had going through what we've been through over the last year and a half, uh, despite the fact that a big chunk of my company works from home, and even now a lot of us still work from home, or a hybrid approach it really brought us much, much closer together. You know, mm-hmm. we had this shared mission of trying to help as many small business owners as we could sure. during their, their PPP loans. We literally pivoted the business in that direction. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, it really enhanced our culture. I mean, I think we had a good culture to begin with. I mean, in, you know, our local metro area, we were named the best places to work uh, a couple of times and which is great. And, uh, you know, to the metrics, I mean, our, our growth has been explosive. I mean, we, we just got notified a couple of weeks ago that we were, we were on the Inc. 5,000 list fastest growing companies in America. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It's our third year in a row. And this is, by the way, I found it's my second company that I've, I've uh, put on the Inc. 5,000 list. That's grown. It's been on the list three years in a row. Next year will be my uh, lucky number seven. It'll be our fourth year on the list. And I, I could tell you, the reason I'm so confident is because yeah, we're we're in the uh, quadruple digit growth. Wow! So it's wow. been a lot. Yeah. So so to get on the list too, I'm, I'm actually curious about this. I don't think I've ever asked this before. But do, do you guys have to submit information to be able to get on the list, or is it is it like you know they, they're just monitoring and watching? Different no, businesses? no, you have to submit stuff, and um, our accounting firm is the one that's that's done it over uh, there. So no, they they. Uh, they validate your financials. It's it's your growth rate over three years. Okay. 
you know, a, a dirty little secret that I've never been able to take advantage of in, in both my companies that are on the list, which is if you, if you start your business, like, and this is going to sound terrible, so I hope somebody doesn't <laughs> take this advice. It's fine, but it, just understand it's, it's, you're kind of gaming the system a little bit. If you start your business in like October, November, December, and you only do a little bit of revenue that year, and then you launch uh. massively the year after, you'll have a much higher growth percentage, which means you'll be higher up on the list or, or yeah. yourself to be on the list to begin with. Unfortunately, both of my companies in this space, I started in February. Okay. So That's you had a whole year. Yeah. First year. <laughs> yep. Yep. That makes sense. I've never heard that before. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's just a little quirk in the, in the system. And it, I also don't really like the fact that it's, it's uh, fastest growing based on revenue growth, obviously to be sustainable, the need yeah. for profits, but then exactly. again, it wouldn't be as as so forthcoming in showing their financials if it was if it was profit based as opposed yeah. to yeah. No, that makes sense. So, for an entrepreneurial standpoint, since you're so plugged into to, to these different outlets, is there any uh, is there anything that comes to mind that people should be mindful of? You know, given where we are in the market cycle and that, any anything that you know pops up right now at all? Well, I mean. Uh, Real estate's relatively expensive, as probably a lot of us know, although I don't know that the need for commercial real estate is quite where it was before. I mean, in 2019, I mean, I, I wrote a book in 2012 about this very thing, about how uh, this is one of the best ways for entrepreneurs to enhance their, their wealth and to, to create wealth for themselves, which is to own the commercial real estate that their business operates from. Usually that's, that's pretty good advice. I mean, I, I took it myself. I mean, I, I eat my own dog food. I, I have, we own our own office building, but I will tell you in uh, December of 2019, I thought I needed to buy another office to expand. And a few months later, the pandemic hits and now I'm scratching my head going, I have too much damn space. What am yeah. I going to do with all this space? Yeah. So, so maybe put an asterisk on that. What I'm seeing and a lot, there's not much talk about it. And again, I, I actually wrote an article a couple of years ago. I can't remember what it was called. It was, it was in Forbes and it was uh, talking about how, you know, a lot of business owners enjoy watching Shark Tank, for instance. Mm -hmm. But one of the fundamental problems with Shark Tank, and I understand why they do it, okay, because they're getting a little, you know, the, the, the program's getting a little piece of equity. If they actually invest, if, if, the, uh, if the business owner accepts the offer, then obviously they're giving up a little piece of the equity in the business. But basically my contention in the article was a lot of small businesses need to really think twice about that. Um, you know, equity is always more expensive than debt. Sure. As SBA financing, which, which uh, a lot of people still have reservations about or, or, or believing some of the myths and misperceptions but if you can take advantage of SBA financing, you don't have to give up any equity for that. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it, it should be part of the financing strategy as you go through your business cycle, your growth cycle, as you go, you don't want to necessarily rush right out and, you know, give a piece of your business to an angel investor or a shark tank, you know, shark, <laughs> I mean, or friends and family or that sort of thing, if you can help it. I mean, sometimes it's better to get a loan and uh, you're going to be way better off because you're oftentimes not going to be able to claw that equity back. And once it's, yeah. once you've uh, given it to somebody, it's, it is what it is. And then you've got to live with the consequences. Now you also have a partner too, which 
you know, I could argue both sides of that too, but it's, um, it's just an interesting dynamic. I think some of us, you know, you sit there on your, on your couch and you're watching Shark Tank and you're like, oh, you know, look at, look what Cubans offered them or look what Barbara wants to do or what have you. And, but you got to pull yourself back and go, well, wait a second, is there a better way for these businesses to accomplish their vision, what they want to do? And yeah. I would argue that a lot of times there is now, sure. They're getting great publicity by being sure. yeah. a whole different consideration, but um, it's just something to think about. I think we are living in a golden age of business acquisitions. And I say that because I, I pay attention to demographics and 56% of all businesses in America are owned by baby boomers and 9,000 of them are retiring every single day. And, and actually I saw a headline this morning that 2 million more people than expected have retired early. So I guess my point is there's going to be a lot of businesses for sale, which can be a good strategy if there's somebody in your industry. Uh, a lot of small businesses don't necessarily think about acquiring a competitor. I mean, that they sometimes think that's a that's a big business strategy, but no, it actually could be a small business strategy as well. And there's a lot of people that uh, it's a lot safer, a lot, lot less, a uh, lot de-risked if you if you purchase an existing business um, yeah. as starting up yourself. So I just think there's going to be a lot of businesses change hands over the next decade as more and more baby boomers retire and, uh, you know, and, and more and more people realize that uh, there's, there's financing options that they maybe hadn't considered. See, most businesses in America will either shut down or, or sell, or I guess you could say also gift to their kids, but usually it's, it's shut down or sell. And if they sell, most people want to walk away with the, with the sales price. They don't want to do seller financing, but yeah. usually it's either seller financed or it's SBA financed. That's for at least small business acquisitions. It's hardly ever financed with ordinary conventional bank financing. So yeah. those are your options. You know, um, you get seller financing or some combination thereof or SBA financing. Yeah. And and in that situation, if you if you were a, a buyer coming to the SBA to buy an existing business, that existing business already has years worth of tax returns. So that would be able to support the you know, the purchase price or the, 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 the business model, if you will. And, and then you would just would have to qualify for that loan with, you know, net worth liquidity, all that kind of stuff. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, hopefully they support the, uh, the yeah. Price. But yeah. yeah. And then that's, and interestingly enough, um, I still have those conversations every once in a while with uh, a business broker um, who are usually the people just, just like a real estate broker. Right. But Sometimes they don't understand. Yeah, you really, when you're dealing with a seller, you should make sure they're understanding that it would be helpful. It will help the process of them selling the business to whoever their buyer is if you as the seller can provide your historical financials. Because if we don't have that, we don't have much to go off of, then, you know, it just kind of puts a red flag there. Like, well, why isn't the seller willing to share that information? What, what is he not telling us? And, oh, by the way, now as a lender, I've got to rely on projections. And we already talked about that. You know, projections are, you know, you got to discount them always. And they're not terribly reliable. So in those situations, I would much prefer to see the tax returns on how the business performed, the interim financial statements. I'll pull tax transcripts to make sure that they didn't make them up. That what they filed to the IRS is what they gave us. So little things like that. But but yeah, that's that's important stuff. And it's probably a lot easier, like I said, to, to buy a business that's had good positive cash flowing history than just starting it up from scratch. 
Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Chris, this has been fantastic. If people want to learn more about you, Fountainhead, anything, like I, I know you've done a lot of writing and, and, and all of that. Um, what would be the best way to, to reach out and get in touch and learn a little bit more? Uh, we can go to our website, which is uh, fountainheadcc.com, fountainheadcc.com. We're on all the social media channels, of course. Uh, you can reach out to us there, uh, follow us, subscribe, what have you. We got a lot of uh, videos, although I haven't updated them in a little while. I've been a little busy, preoccupied mm-hmm. with me for a while. Yeah, right. But we got a lot of videos on our YouTube channel. You know, just just Google me uh, or the company, and there's a ton of information out there. We try to produce a lot of educational content for for our space. So yeah, I mean, uh, those are the ways to reach out to us for sure. Love it, love it, Chris. This is fantastic, and I, I, there's still more questions floating around in my head, but you know, we'll save that for for another day. So again, yeah, exactly. Yes, many many thanks for uh, for being on the show, Chris. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, and remember. Pass the secret sauce.